Well, good evening. Good to have you out here. You know, a lot of people have been asking me about my hair here. See, I think I'm trying to figure out, you know, some people ask, is that because you're, you know, Jack, you're kind of filling in for him? Or I said, well, kind of, because I'm trying to figure out the secret to his height. And I think it's the hair. Because, you know, Samson, right, was his hair. So I thought, so I'm just trying different stuff out. Um, no, I just thought I'd do something different. Change. In fact, that's what I wanted to talk about tonight is change. There was a Greek philosopher named Heracletos who, uh, when he was talking about life, one of his philosophies was that it's a, in a constant state of change. And he compared it to this. He said, no man ever steps in the same river twice. And I had to think about that a minute. And the idea is that, you know, river's flowing, right? So if you put your foot in the water, the water that it touches and the place that it touches, that will never happen again. Uh, those same water molecules will be in a different place after a few seconds have gone by. And I think he's right in the sense that life does continue to flow and it continues to change. Uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this, Nothing that is can pause or stay. The moon will wax, the moon will wane. The mist and cloud will turn to rain, the rain to mist and cloud again. Tomorrow be today. I think for obvious reasons, uh, this idea of change in life has been on my mind a lot uh, lately. And, you know, we're going through changes not only here as a church, but in all of our families, changes going on. Each of you as individuals, I'm sure there are some changes that are happening and taking place in your life. And as I look back on my life, I've had a lot of time to reflect and think about the different things, the different changes that have taken place in my life. When I was a toddler, my parents... Uh, divorced, so I moved in with my grandparents. That was a fairly significant change for a two-year-old. At 11, I moved back in with my dad when he remarried. Um, I went through the normal changes that you go through in going from elementary to junior high to high school, except that in the junior and high school years, we moved like four or five different times. Uh, then I moved out of the house. I went to, to college in a different place, a different city, different time. That was a big change. And it was there in college I experienced two of the biggest changes in my life. One's coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The other is where I met my wife and married her uh, during college. Then change came with the birth of our first child. And then another, and then another, and another, and another. Um, And in fact, big change happened with one of those children who was born with a disability. That was a major change in our lives. A big change that took place after I graduated from college. I moved up. Uh, to north the northwest, a place where we had no friends, no family, never been there before. Um, in fact, my wife had never even seen the place until we moved up there. That was a significant change for us. Um, changes continued with the maturing of our children. So they went from infancy to childhood to middle school to high school years, and I have two kids that are um, in the category of adult now. Then God has moved us in different ways. We're back down here, went to seminary. Here I'm at Calvary. And there's many, many more changes that have taken place in my life. As I'm sure I've listed some of those, you probably, if not many of you, if not most of you, experienced some similar changes. And I know for most of you, there's probably a lot of other changes that happened to you that haven't happened to me. Uh, There are still many changes yet to come for me. Uh, Lord willing, maybe grandchildren, but I know health issues, aging parents, dealing with that, myself aging, uh, health issues with me, my wife, my kids. I don't know what's in store down the road. But one thing that's become clearer and clearer to me over life is that life is change. It is that river flowing that my foot never steps in the same place more than once. 
And some of these changes are exciting. Some of them are scary. Some of them are stressful. Some of them I'd rather not have to deal with. Some of them I just would rather ignore. And some of them I dread. Maybe you can identify with that as you think about things you've gone through or potential things you may be going through here in the near far future. That same philosopher also said, there's nothing permanent except change. If there's something that's constant in life, it is that it will be different tomorrow. Solomon articulated this as much in his well-known poem in Ecclesiastes 3. There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven, right? A time to give birth and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up. And he continues on. Change is a part of life. We experience much of it. And the question I just want to talk about tonight briefly is, how do we handle that? How do we respond to that as believers? Because change will happen. Change is happening. We just saw some big changes up here. How many, I think, was everybody, was that a firstborn for every one of those families? Except for, uh, for the Shaws, right? You guys are old pros at this. And the Murphys, sorry, where are you? Murphys. Yeah, all right, so we had three, two pros up there and the rest are rookies. Those are big changes. Having a kid's a big deal. Some neat changes and some difficult ones. How do we deal with that? Do we obsess over it? Do we be anxious over it? Do we think about it all the time? Do we just ignore it? Do we just kind of sigh and move on with life? How would God have us deal with these things? Well, with everything in life, the answer is rooted in God Himself and who He is. If you think about the Psalms, think about how often uh, an issue, a situation is brought up by the psalmist. Usually uh, something tragic or a trial in their life, sometimes something good. And almost inevitably, in nearly every psalm, the direction changes from the issue to what? Where does the psalmist move his attention? To God, right? And that is where the answer that, that we need to look for. In Psalm 102, for example, the psalmist, after he talks about the difficulties and trials he's going through, he comes to this conclusion at the end of his psalm. Speaking of God, he says, and actually literally of Christ, this is messianic, of old you founded the earth, you being God, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. You see, life may change. In fact, life will change. In fact, that's probably someone that needs to get changed. Um, where's dad dad get up there come on right that's that was a change for me by the way um but god doesn't change god remains fixed he endures he is the same that's an attribute called the immutability of god psalm 18 2 describes it in this way in, in calling god a rock The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. You know, a rock doesn't move, especially big ones. A rock doesn't change, at least not as we observe it in our lifetimes. A rock is fixed. And God is described over 20 times in the Psalms as a rock and even more times as a stronghold, as a refuge. And I think this attribute of immutability, the unchangeableness of God, is a critical one to be thinking about and meditating upon as you encounter changes in your life. And I just want to talk about tonight, what is the immutability of God? And how can I find encouragement and hope and help from that in the midst of change? 
We're going to look at varying passages tonight and talking about that. But as we think about his immutability, I think that's something that simply means he changes. He doesn't change, excuse me. Immutable, no change, no difference. But that might seem like, uh, you know, yeah, that's an interesting attribute, but it seems a little less important maybe than his sovereignty or his love or his justice. But I would like to have you think about it for a minute. Every attribute of God as we come to understand it and know it and meditate on it, only opens us up to, to the amazing wonder of who God is. And this idea of His immutability, His unchangeableness, is something I think when you really ponder and think about it, it will really help in those times of struggle and difficulty. It really will. Because He is one who does not change in His personhood and His purposes or in His promises. He's always been, He's always will be, and He always is now, in a sense. God is not any different than He was at the beginning of creation. He's not any different than He was in the eternity past. He's not any different today, nor will He be in the future. Anyone think of a verse talks about Jesus, kind of has that same thought? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Hebrews 13.8. He is immutable. So let's just look at these three things real quickly. God will never change in His personhood. He will never change in His purpose. He will never change in His promise. Now when I talk about personhood, what I'm talking about there is who He is, His character, His being, His attributes. Those things won't change. Malachi 3.6, and speaking of His patience and mercy, God says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. In regards to His grace, as He gives us things, in James 1.17 it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift bestowed is from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God doesn't have to learn new things, because He already knows everything. God doesn't have to take vitamins, because He doesn't lose energy or age. God isn't worn down by life, so He doesn't get old and crotchety. God doesn't change in His patience, in His mercy, in His justice, His wrath, His love, His power, His sovereignty. They don't need to grow, nor will they ever diminish. I mean, think about that. What if God could change? What if God had the potential to improve or decline? Because that's what defines change, right? Think about that a minute. If He had the potential to improve, then that would say that He is not fully now what He could be. There's something deficient in God. And if the thought or idea of God declining, changing in that direction, boy, that opens up some scary things. If God could get more holy, then He's not perfectly holy now. And if He could decline in His holiness, what potential is there? If He declines in His goodness, we have a God who could become evil. If he could improve in his knowledge, that means he doesn't know what he's doing fully right now. He needs more information to understand how to do things, how life works. That's a scary thought. Or what if he declined in his knowledge? As I'm finding myself, it's happening a lot more these days. Right? My wife and I talk about things that happened in the past, and we no longer trust our own memories. So we're kind of like, oh, that could have happened, I don't know. You know? <laughs> We've learned it doesn't. there's no point to getting into arguments anymore, because neither of our... Our brains can be trusted anymore. But God's not like that. But think if He could, if He could decline in His knowledge. Now, what was your name again? Right? Can you imagine? God declining, changing in what He knew. 
If God can improve in his power, that means he doesn't have power now to do everything. And if he could decline in his power, there could come a point in time where he could not sustain the universe. If God could improve in his love, then he doesn't perfectly love you now. And if he could decline in it, well, I don't want to think about the implications of that. You see, this idea of God being immutable is important. Can you see the ramifications if he is not? I mean, it's a terrifying thought to think about a God that changes. If he changes in the least, then he ceases to be the almighty God of Scripture. Because Scripture portrays God in all of his attributes as infinite, as eternal, as never changing. How could we trust in a God who changes? How could we have hope in a God who changes? Yeah, today you might be able to help me out, but tomorrow, I don't know. One theologian said this, The difference between being and becoming marks the difference between the creator and the creature. Every creature is continually becoming. It is changeable, constantly striving, seeks rest and satisfaction, and finds this rest in God and Him alone. For only God is pure being and no becoming. You see, we become... But God is. In fact, when God revealed his personal name to Moses, what did he say? What did he tell Moses what his name was? I am. I am that I am, he said literally. Right? God described himself as the eternally existent one, the one who doesn't change. And that is his name. God's immutability means that God does not change in his personhood. And it also means that God doesn't change in his purposes, in his plans, in his promises, in his will. Those things don't change. Psalm 33, 11 says this, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. God doesn't change in his plans. And man can't change them either. No being can change God's plans. Daniel 4, 35 says this, He does according to His will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there is no one who can ward off His hand. No angel, no demon, Satan, no man, no group of men. Nothing can change God's plan. That should be comforting. Because His plan is a good one for those whom He has chosen. Just think if God could change His plans or did. Let's think about salvation for a minute. You remember Acts 2.23 where it says that Jesus was delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Just think if if God changed his mind about that one and kind of going along and saying, man, my son is suffering too much. I, I want to change the deal here. What if Jesus, as he was moving toward the cross, changed plans? Wouldn't that be a big deal? We'd have a problem, wouldn't we? A big problem. What if God changed his purpose? What about, that's talking about us generally. What about individually? You know, the Bible talks about God's role individually with each one of His children in choosing them and electing them. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world and that He predestined us to adoptions as sons according to the kind intention of His will. What if God changed His mind about you? So I think, you know, I did plan that way back before, uh, etern- before the universe began, but... I don't know about that guy. I think I'm going to change my mind. If God's purposes are not immutable, He could change plans about saving you. Not comforting at all, is it? But these things will not happen. Because God doesn't change His purposes. His plan is fixed. His personhood is fixed. And also, His promises are fixed. 
Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? You know, God's word is his bond. It's more sure than any human contract. It's more sure than the sun rising tomorrow. When God says it, it will happen and he will not change it. A.W. Pink said this, Human nature cannot be relied upon, but God can. However unstable I may be, however fickle my friends may prove, God changes not. If he varied as we do, if he willed on the thing today and another tomorrow, and if he were controlled by caprice, who could confide in him? His purpose is fixed, his will is stable, and his word is sure. God will keep his promises. Hey, some of you call out, name out some of his promises. Especially you kids, Veritas, you've been hearing the promises of God, right, for a while. I heard about that this morning from Mr. Stone. What are some promises that God has made in his word? He will never leave us nor forsake us in Hebrews 13. What's that? He is faithful. Lamentations 3. What else? I heard some others. Eternal life. John 3.16, right? Whoever believes in him shall have, if I don't change my mind, eternal life. Right? No. No condition there. No qualification. What else? Come on, we're family. You can all speak up. That He'll cleanse us from our sins, right? In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to take that into consideration. What's that? He works all things for good. Romans 8, 28, that's a real important promise, isn't it? Think of some more. There's a ton of them. Spirit is secure. Yeah, he's a, he's a down payment on our eternal security or salvation. I like that one. First Peter talks about that. He's coming back. He promised. Yeah. He will not flood the earth again. That's right. And he's kept that one, hasn't he? Thankfully. I can't swim that well. Yeah. I'm, Yes, Lamentations again. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Any others? Yeah. John 14, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through Him. That's a promise. And there's many, many others. Matthew eleven twenty eight, right? Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I promise I will give you rest. Give you rest. Uh, James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... The promise there, right? Let him ask of God. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and God will what? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We could go on. The Word is full of promises to you. Think if God ever went back on any single one of them at any one time. But because He's immutable, because He doesn't change, He'll never break any of those promises to any of us. They're solid, they're good, and they won't change. I mean, the implications, again, of His immutability are far-reaching. All the things He's promised you and me will all come to pass. If they didn't, we would have no hope, we'd have no comfort, we'd have no encouragement. What a depressing state of affairs. If God said something, but I couldn't hold him to it. If, I, if there was a possibility that God could change in his character and his being. 
if God was capricious about his plans, then I couldn't hope in that kind of God. If he could change, where would I go? Who would you go to? Who would you pray to? Who would you call out to if it was a God who changed? He couldn't be trusted. He couldn't be counted on. How encouraging would it be to worship a God whose love for you could change at any moment? Praise God that He doesn't change. Praise Him that His plans don't change. And thank God that He keeps His promises. And He'll never forsake one. There's a group of people called process theologians. Um, these guys basically say God does change. That, uh, that He is in process like you and me and that the essence of existence is change. And that if God didn't change, then our purpose here would be without, we'd have no purpose. Because if God's going to be and do and say and whatever it was, no matter what we say or do, then, then we have no, no impact on God, no purpose for being, no reason to exist. So they come up with this theology that, that God can change. Think about that a minute. If, what does that show you about what their thoughts are? What is the universe centered around, if that's the case? Us, isn't it? Did God make this universe to focus upon us? No, right? Why did He create all things? The heavens are telling of the glory of God, right? Isaiah 43 talks about the idea that everyone who's called by My name, who have I created for My glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. See, this universe is about God. And as we understand that and participate in that and worship and glorify Him, you know what? Because that's what we're made to do, that's when we're most satisfied. That's when we have the most strength. That's when we have the most encouragement, when we do what God has designed us to do. But see, these process theologians have it backwards. They feel like, you know, God made us because there was something deficient in Him. And so as He experiences life with us, we kind of help Him out. Wow. Again, we've talked about the implications of that. If God does change, if He does need us so He can figure out how to be a better God, we're all in terrible trouble. God made us for His glory. God is a rock that you and I can run to. Let me just close with Psalm 62. David understood this probably better than, than just about anybody else who's ever lived. This, this idea of God's immutability, that He never changes, and and that because of that, He is one that we can go to in time of trouble. Let me read Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They've counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth. But inwardly they curse. He's speaking of what's brought about uh, the struggle and change that he's dealing with. And then in verse 5, David says, My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. See, when you face changes in your life, especially the difficult ones, spend some time and meditate on the fact that God does not change. That His faithfulness, His mercy, His patience, His love, His justice, His holiness, it's the same God tomorrow as He is today. He's a rock. 
You can trust Him. You can go to Him for comfort in a time of change. Let's pray. Lord, uh, there's so much more here. God, we could spend a week on just all of the facets of just this one attribute. And Lord, we can see how all of Your attributes are so intertwined with one another that, that Lord, Your immutability, the fact that You don't change means that You are an ever-faithful God. You're an ever-loving God. You're an ever-holy God. Ever just, that your hatred towards sin does not change, that your uh, desire to save does not change, that, uh, Lord, your willingness to forgive, your patience, your omniscience, Lord, your power, your sovereignty, none of these things will ever diminish, and they don't need to grow. Lord, we are in awe of you, we stand amazed. Lord, we thank You for revealing these things to us. And just ask, God, that You would expand our our minds and our hearts, Lord, to better comprehend You, to better understand You, so that we might live for You, that we might, Lord, uh, worship You rightly in spirit and in truth, that we would not have any wrong thought about You, so that, Lord, we would not misrepresent You either as we speak or as we sing or as we pray or as we think about You. God, we're so grateful that you are immutable. You are a rock in whom we can trust and cling to. It's in your name we pray. Amen.